you're going to want to know what do I do with these areas that we lack in. And there's really only there's only two ways to respond once you once you encounter a gap, once you've identified the problem, once you've identified the, that space between um, the reality and the ideal, what do you do with them? Well, there's two things. Either you are going to handle it and be the solution, or you're going to delegate that solution to someone else. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Ty Hua, here with my co-host, John Kahns, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Today, we continue our conversation in the third pillar of the framework, becoming a better leader. In the next few episodes, we'll cover some key elements of growing as a leader, including intentional growth in holiness, leadership development tools, and intentional skills building. But today, we're answering the question, how do you make up for where you lack? Hey, John. Well, Ty, good to see you. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> Are you excited to be here today? I'm very excited. I just am a little under the weather, so to speak. But we're going <laughs> to forward through this. I am so proud of you. A real man among men. That's you. I've always said that about you. Did you know that? Uh, I've heard you say some other stuff, but <laughs> all right. So in that spirit, let's let's forge forward. Uh, this uh, we'll do a little story time to intro the topic, and I want to talk uh, speak just quickly about uh, it's called spiritual gifts inventory by the Catherine of Siena Institute, and and something that it does is it helps it helps people to discern the specific charisms, the the specific gifts that God gives to them in their baptism, the the things that were given to them, the unique ways that most that help them to most effectively uh, build the kingdom of God and most effectively help people to encounter God through them. So for me, um, the gifts that I was given that I was highly ranked in were administration, music, and helps. So administration, just one of the ways that, that I help people to encounter God or build the kingdom is through building processes, building systems, you know, helping people to um, grow. Another one is music. Uh, when, when I play music, it tends to be a way for people to connect, leading worship, doing those types of things. And the other one is helps, that I'm in some sense kind of, I'm at my best, I'm most effectively serving the kingdom and building the kingdom when I'm, at, when I'm helping other people to step into their gifts. Kind of a de- divine enabler, in a sense, though that those are the gifts. On the other hand, uh, my lowest rated spiritual gifts we're always the ones that for somebody in ministry, you would just expect them to be high in these gifts. But my lowest rated charisms were those of service, hospitality, and chastity. <laughs> I always Ooh. thought it was funny how I was rated. What it did for me is it goes, wow, maybe I'm in the wrong field if I'm not being rated high in these ones that you would expect. You know, maybe I'm not really cut out for service. So this whole idea of like, how do you make up for where you lack? Really understanding, you know, especially as we dive into this this final part of the third pillar, right? As, as we're routing that out, one of the things we might be doing as we develop ourselves as leaders, if we took the uh, the action steps from this last week of, of doing some form of leadership assessment, some sort of skills assessment, you might be going, wow, I thought I would be better at this. And what does that mean for me? Is that, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? How do I make up for where I lack now that I know that I do lack in certain areas? <laughs> so, That's hard to believe. 
<laughs> that I would lack in certain areas. Yeah, <laughs> that, that you would lack in certain areas where if I were to take that, it would be like, what are Ty's highs? <laughs> You'd None. be looking for the highs. So it None. is funny. But then low, it'd be like all of the above. Any and all <laughs> categories, he is low in aptitude. <laughs> one of the one of the things they do warn you about when you take some of these assessments, they somebody who has a high level of confidence or maybe a little more extroverted tend to rank themselves higher. <laughs> they end up being ranked higher in a lot of areas because they, they just tend to see I don't know, maybe there's less introspection, right? There's less re- actual reflection on it. Or maybe it's just the fact that, you know, they, they tend to just see the world more optimistically. I, I don't know exactly what it is. Um, but no, I, I had a pretty good, pretty clear split. There were some that, yep, these are clear, clearly discerned gifts. And these are ones where maybe you're not are <laughs> so these, naturally gifted. Are these questions like I'm, I would most agree with or least agree with or how do, how are the questions laid out that you'd answer these so great question because this specific one from the catholic catherine of siena institute the called and gifted program they the questions are phrased in a way that says people often tell me they experience god when blank so uh, that that's an important one because for example the gift of music right and that's one that i you know, I, I'm on, often discerning or continue to discern because there's there's a difference between being talented at something and actually having the divine gift, like a charism for music, a charism for worship. So somebody might be really talented, uh, but when they sing then, uh, it doesn't necessarily guide you into worship. Whereas somebody might have a little rougher voice, not be very talented at the piano or guitar, just kind of plunking away. But then for whatever reason, when they open their mouth, they begin to sing, you're, you're caught up in worship. It moves your soul. So the question very specifically is, it's not, I think I'm good at leading people in worship. It's people have told me that when, when I sing, when I play my guitar, they tell me that they experience God, that they feel God's love when that happens. So it, it is, they tell you to, to read very, read the question really at face value. And just respond yes or no. Like, yes, this is true. No, it's not. Agree, disagree. And so when it's phrased that way, it's, you know, yes, I have heard people tell me that. But, you know, there, there's also not a ton of people who do music in the Catholic world when it comes to worship. So sometimes it's just, you know, it's a smaller pool of people. So <laughs> I don't have sure. to be super talented. <laughs> sure. And I think what it does is it takes, it takes the arrogance out of it. Because there are some mm-hmm. people that, like you said, that, think really highly of themselves that can see no wrong in what they do. Like everything mm-hmm. they do is to build the kingdom of God, but in all reality, ask the way that it's asked, they can say, no, nah, not really. I, yeah, that's not me. So it's easier mm-hmm. to say it versus like rate yourself on a scale of one to five or, you know, here's, here's what, what uh, charisms we're thinking of. And you pick out what you think you know, so that's cool. I'll have to try that. But I'm pretty sure all my lows, it's all of the above and the highs are like <laughs> self-deprecating stuff. <laughs> uh, no, I will talk. We'll talk. I, I do think it's worth pointing out, though, when you do when you do these leadership assessments, these personality quizzes, whatever, there aren't there's no one that's better than the other. Right. There, than the, especially like the spiritual gifts. There's no one spiritual gift that's that's better than the others it's they're all good and they can all be used for the kingdom 
And the important thing to realize is that this is a way that God has gifted me. It's a way that God is calling me. And so my, the thing I have to do is respond to that call and to use it, to use that gift. So it's, it's not about some being better, some being lower. It's, it's really just about responding to the gifts that God has given you. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it, what it reminds me of is when, I forget which episode it is, because we've done so many, John, but you <laughs> talked about how you compared yourself in your speaking to a different, you know, speaker that is, is probably more nationwide, where you're more local. And the minute you try to replicate that, the minute you try to be a Chris Stefanik or, uh, you know, uh, Scott Hahn or whoever, Paul Kim, the minute you try to be them, you lose yourself and then you lose all joy. So if you could find whatever your charisma, whatever you're good at, whatever is lighting other souls on fire and you do more of that and you stop trying to be like, if, if I kept trying to be you, if I kept trying to be, you know, other podcasters out there, father, Shane demon, father, Travis Crotty or baby priest as my wife would call him. If I kept trying to be like them and sounding like them, and it's like, what? Why? God made Ty only, thank goodness, he only made one of me. But if I kept trying to be somebody else, like, what, how does that build the kingdom of God? So I think this is a, a really crucial part about growth and becoming a better leader is understanding what lights other people on fire that you do versus trying to you know, copycat somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it is St. Catherine of Siena who says that, that famous, that well-known quote, become who you were meant to be and you will set the world on fire. This idea that, yeah, if you do step into that role that God has called you specifically to, to your role, God's going to use it in powerful ways. He's going to bear that fruit that he expects you to bear, you know, but he's going to do it through you in a powerful way. So yeah, you might be wondering though, as we, as we discuss this, you know, we, we're identifying, yes, where you're strong, but the other thing to identify is the gaps in your skill set. And now this could be, yes, gaps in your um, quote-unquote personality, in your leadership style. It could also be gaps in your team or gaps in your processes. And I think what we'll talk about, I think it'll still apply, whether it's to those leadership traits, whether it's to those gaps in your systems and your team and your processes. Uh, but essentially, yeah, you're going to you're going to identify a few gaps and you're going to be aware of those. You're going to want to know what do I do with these areas, with these areas that we lack in. And there's really only there's only two ways to respond once you once you encounter a gap, once you've identified the problem, once you've identified the, that space between um the reality and the ideal, what do you do with them? Well, there's two things. Either you are going to handle it and be the solution, or you're going to delegate that solution to someone else. So let's just break those down a little bit. Those two solutions, when you identify a gap, first one, you can be the solution. And, and this is going to be kind of a quick summary of some of the things that we've talked about in the last few episodes is if you have identified that problem and you have decided, yes, this is something I just need to deal with, then the first thing you need to do is Google it, right? Can you learn it, right? It's, it's that Google it mindset. And, and I would say, I don't think you need to ask permission to learn something that you need to know for your work to improve your processes. I don't think you need to learn, ask permission to learn it. And honestly, if you were going to approach your, your pastor, your boss, your team with a solution, you should probably know what you're talking about first before you do it. So 
doing your homework ahead of time, right? Don't don't feel like you have to ask permission before you go and source out a solution. Come to the table with it prepared, which means, again, you're taking it on yourself. You're learning about it. And you can learn just about anything you need to online for free from Google and YouTube. And honestly, if you if you Google the solution to a problem or this is the deal, um, you know, I need to organize my email inbox or we need a calendar system that gets everybody on board with all of our spaces, you can Google it and you probably will, it'll take you to a YouTube video where you can learn about it. You're a, you're a fan of YouTube University, aren't you, Ty? I am like alumni class of 2020. That's what I am. I, I love <laughs> YouTube University. So, yeah, and, and you, can, that you can use that for structuring teams, right? Just Google the best way to structure my team. You can Google, you can YouTube the best way to run a meeting, and you can find all the different philosophies. Go down the rabbit hole for a day, whatever you need to do, do it for a week. But just to find the best ways to do these things. And that's if, again, that's if you're, you're going to be the one who's going to solve that problem and fill in that gap yourself. On the other hand, you may be in a position where you can delegate that, situ- that issue to someone else. And that might, be, that might be a team member, right? So there's some questions that, that I'm going to recommend that if you're looking to delegate to a team member that you ask yourself before you do that. Because sometimes what happens is you've got somebody on your team who's really capable. And so anytime something new comes up, that one person gets all the new responsibilities. Or they're just kind of segmented in different areas. Um, maybe you've got two people in your formation, right? You've got someone who kind of does the K through six, and then someone who's got the older youth ministry, and one of them leaves. And then what happens? Well, the other person maybe just absorbs that position. And they're just getting all these extra tasks, these other these extra positions. So here, here's the questions that I would say you need to ask if you're considering delegating this gap to a specific team member. Um, one would be, do we already have a culture of teamwork or are we working in silos? The reason I ask this, the reason we want to ask this is because if you're going to start getting the team on board about realigning some of these tasks, filling some of these gaps, if you have no culture of teamwork, people are going to be really reluctant when they step up or if they're told they have to step up and step in. So then your, first, your next step might be, okay, if we don't have that culture of teamwork, I really need to cast that vision for why God is calling us to do this and have some crucial discussions, some crucial conversations with key members of your staff, because there's always people who are resistant to change. That's, and that's a, that's a good role, actually, to have, because they're the ones that say, whoa, 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 this is why this might not work. They're, good, they're a good kind of stop measure that kind of lets you to really weigh both sides, that you don't just run off getting too excited and hopped out of your mind chasing after bunnies or whatever. But to have those crucial conversations ahead then says, okay, if we're going to delegate this, we need to know that we are a team. We are on the same page. The other one would be, if I'm going to add this responsibility to someone's plate, do they need an increased pay for their increased responsibility or task load? Because you, you can't just keep piling stuff on people. And a lot of times, uh, a lot of times, people who work in parishes, they're afraid to say no. You know, they work for the church, and service is a part of it, and just saying yes is a part of it, and obedience is a part of it. And so they're, they're just kind of trained to say yes, and they don't actually take the time to put in real professional boundaries. 
So we as leaders, if we're in the position where we can ask somebody to do more, or maybe it's even an unpaid team member, right? A catechist or whatever, and you're just asking them to take on another one. Okay, well, maybe this actually needs to be a stipended position. You know, to really think though, what what am I asking people to do? Is it a legitimate ask? And then if it really is a significant increase, maybe there's some way they need to be rewarded for that. Again, sometimes two positions become one, and that's a real conversation that needs to have so someone doesn't get burned out just from that increased workload. We could honestly have a whole podcast on just ministry burnout because that, mm. that happens. You know, the, the labor, laborers are few and the work is plentiful. So mm. what happens? The one or two people, if you have two, that you're very fortunate, but there's typically only one person that really will, will stick it out to the bitter end. And they'll stay with until they completely get burnt out to the point where even worshiping in the church becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. So that's a great point you bring up. Like, what, at what point do we say, "Hey, this is this is a stipend position now," or how do we offload some of that work? So I think mm-hmm. that I think we should talk about uh, ministry burnout, and this is one of the causes for it. You know, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna write down in my notes. I'm gonna put down do an episode on burnout because it, it really is an issue and, and it does happen a lot. But that's why one of our big plugs is if you want to avoid burnout. <laughs> so we'll, let's handle it. Um, here's another one. Who, if you're going to, again, fill a gap or delegate that gap to someone else to solve, who is the person on the team that's best suited for that type of work? And especially when you talk about avoiding burnout, if you've done these leadership assessments, these team assessments, these personality assessments, you can probably more quickly identify if I give this work to this person, it is going to suck life from them. It's going to bleed them dry versus you might have somebody that if you give this task to them, they will get life from it. And one of the more obvious examples of that is people who are kind of data-driven, more numbers people, if you put somebody who loves data in charge of the creative thinking <laughs> or the creative processes, they, they probably will, that, that'll be really difficult for them. But if you take someone who's got that creative mindset and they love to come up with new ideas and they're just always painting with all these different colors and you say, I just want you to take the data from these forms and put them into a spreadsheet so we have all of our people that will that will drain them that'll suck the life out of them and and a great again a great personality test to suss some of those things out is the uh the six types of working genius by pat lencioni so again really thinking about the person you're delegating to and whether they are the right person for that job and that's up and down the board that that could be your staff member that's also a catechist because a lot of times when you're looking for catechist when you're looking for somebody to take over a ministry you tend to just take the person who shows up the most. Instead of identifying the person in your parish that you maybe need to more intentionally call into leadership. We sometimes just reach for that low-hanging fruit instead of really looking in the tree for the best fruit. The second part to this, this area, if you're delegating to someone else, might simply be looking for an outside professional. Sometimes your staff's already maxed out. They've got so much on their plate. Maybe it's not in the budget to give them more money for more responsibility. Whatever it might be, 
sometimes there's just a reality that the skills that you need aren't in the people that you've hired. And in that scenario, really consider who do we have in our parish. And I would say the majority of parishes, oh, I would say all of the parishes have everything they need to function well. This is something that that I believe God takes care of. That doesn't mean they're all necessarily cued in right away and, and just chomping at the bit to start something. It means, though, that if you need someone to perform some sort of service, now that could be plumbing, it could be stuff with electrical and lighting, um, painting, accounting, technology, corporate fundraising, sound system stuff, graphic design for posters, whatever it might be, you've got people in your parish that know how to do those things. If you don't know who they are, that just means that you need to find some way to uh, bubble those those gifts up. And that can be a really simple Google form or Microsoft Office has their, their forms function where you can just put together a real quick survey. What is your area of expertise or what is your career? And, and they're just going to respond back. And now you've got a data set that says, oh, we got 10 plumbers here. Well, we don't have to call. Maybe you don't have to call then the local plumber who's not a part of it that's going to charge you an arm and a leg. Maybe you can find people who will, will tithe to you because they're a part of your parish and they will be honored to do that, right? Maybe you really, you need better posters, find someone who's graphic design, or maybe you're going to create your own uh, series for Advent or for Lent and you just want it to be beautiful and you're tired of your staff using clip art in Microsoft Word. You probably have somebody in your parish that does some form of graphic design and you could bring them in and they'd be willing to tithe it. The other thing then again is asking that question, well, maybe there's room in the budget. If we can rework some things in the budget, maybe we can spend $100 to have this series designed professionally. You know, there's websites out there like Fiverr. Um, you, you can find someone that can help you and potentially fill those gaps and, and help you to improve. And people will notice. And, and you know what they're going to notice, Ty? What's that? That we're doing a new thing. Hey. <laughs> can you not perceive it? <laughs> so th- th- these are kind of the ways once you recognize these gaps you're, you're just you're either going to find someone on your team that you're either going to fill that gap yourself right you're going to step into that fray and say i will solve this problem or you're going to delegate it to someone else and those are just some of the things to think out think through as you go but i would say just one key point that that kind of wraps this all up is that once you have identified an issue move on it go now don't wait uh the guys over at Every Knee Shall Bow, that podcast, they're they're huge on explaining and saying that discipleship is predicated on premature deployment, right? The disciples never felt ready for what God, for what Jesus was calling them to do. They never felt they were ready. They were standing next to Jesus, the king, and they never felt like they measured up, right? Peter was never trained to walk on water. He just followed God's command to step out of the boat, and he failed, and Jesus caught him. So you got to trust what God is asking you to do. And, and don't be worried about being fully ready. Just be worried about responding with a yes when God calls you. And when this happens, you've got a plan of action, right? We're kind of wrapping up these three pillars. That's your plan of action when God calls you to do something that's uncomfortable. It's, a, it's an action plan that you can follow, right? You've got to start having better conversations, starting with discerning what God wants you to do to move forward casting that vision for people and just talking about the cru- having the crucial conversations that are going to move that vision forward. You got to do better work, right? If God is calling you to do something, you're going to have to 
reorganize your structures, your systems, your processes so you can fit in the thing that God wants you to do. So you can have the time and space to deal with it. You're going to put it on your calendar and build it into your day. And then finally, you just got to be a better leader. And and you'll recognize that as you are filling in, as you're having better conversations, as you're doing better work, you are going to find that you are already becoming a better leader in your parish. All right. And that is that is how this all fits together. God calls and you now have a plan of action to follow that call. Amen. Should we move on to devil's advocate? We should. John, you're saying that we need to focus on our strengths and fix our weaknesses, but St. Paul says that power is made perfect in weakness. What do, why do I got to add anything? Why do I got to fix it? <laughs> well, I would say that's true. St. Paul does say that. Uh, but I think if we look at the context, context of it, it is a true statement, um, so long as we're not using it as a cop-out to keep from working harder. So the, the full line that that comes from, the full section, it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is kind of this whole area where St. Paul is talking about this. He says he's responding to a thorn that's given him in the flesh. So this is what it says. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torture me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So there's that line. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. So in this context, this line, right, um, that, that he quotes of Jesus, power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, Paul isn't saying, I don't have to try any harder, right? He, he's, he, what he's doing in this moment is he's actually begging the Lord to remove a thorn um, that he was given, that, that was given to him to keep him from being, becoming prideful, becoming too excited about his own work because it's Jesus's work. And so this is Jesus's response to him begging for that thorn to be removed. And, and Jesus is saying that power is made perfect in weakness, that this is essential. Ultimately, uh, Paul is not saying that he's not capable of doing the work, which I think is what a lot of times we're saying when we say, well, power is made perfect in weakness. I'm not capable of doing that, so I'm just not going to worry about it. I think that's what we're saying. That's not Paul's point at all. Yeah, and, and he's not saying, like, he's not just going to stop trying and just let Jesus do the rest. In fact, Paul, he literally says if he wanted to boast about himself, that he wouldn't be a fool for doing so because it would be true. Like if he was going to boast about all the amazing things that he's done and he's capable of, it would be true. But what he is saying is that Jesus is enough for him to be content with the fact that he has weaknesses, with the fact that he's got insults and hardships and persecutions, calamities, right? Those are worth it for the sake of Christ, right? Because those things, they, they just come with life in Christ and he's not shying away from them. That's his point. But rather, he goes on to say, like, I can work harder still. And, and this is what he says. Here I am. I'm ready to come to you a third time, and I will not be a burden to the Corinthians because I do not want what is yours, but I want you. So this is important. He doesn't want what's theirs. He's not asking them to tithe. What he's saying is, I don't want anything that you've got. I just want you. I want your soul for Jesus Christ. And he says, children ought not to lay up for their parents, but parents for their children. Right, This idea that he's a spiritual father to them. They're his spiritual children. And he goes on to say, I will most gladly be spent 
for you. I will most gladly spend and be spent for you. Right? He's not saying, again, he's not saying like, oh, I'm made perfect in my weaknesses, so I just won't try any harder. No, he's saying, I will, I will spend everything for you. Everything for you. And he goes on to say, everything we do, beloved, is for the sake of building you up. So he's not making an excuse for his lacking. He's not saying, I lack here, and so I'm just going to trust Jesus to make for it. He's saying, I will do everything I can, even though I am weak. I will be spent. I will be poured out. And I won't even rely on you to feed me, right? Multiple times in scripture, Paul talks about how he didn't burden others. He didn't require payment or food from them. He was a tent maker. He would go into these communities, embed himself as a tent maker to pay for his own living. It wasn't enough for him to just speak for the kingdom and expect the church, the people to pay for him the people that he was ministering to, right? He worked extra hard to make sure that he was fully free to just preach the gospel and the truth of Jesus to people. So this whole idea of Jesus' power is made perfect in weakness, this whole idea of that, sometimes we use it to justify the fact that we don't want to work harder, that we don't want to begin a new thing with the Lord or say yes to the new thing he's asking us to, when instead this quote in Scripture, in the way that it's used, St. Paul is saying, I am weak, but I will work even harder. So you're telling me people will take scripture out of context? <laughs> it's happened once. I don't believe it. <laughs> well, we'll talk. So how about some uh, actionable steps? Sounds great. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's do it. What, what can I right. do? What can you do? Well, I guarantee we can all think of an area in our work that, that needs to improve, that needs to be tweaked. Um, so what I want us to do, you've identified some gaps. I, I know that you know they exist. These are the things you talk about with your coworkers, things you wish you could be better. And what I want you to do is just look ahead in your schedule and look for a slow week on your calendar. And, and there's always in the summer or after Christmas, I don't care if it's one month out, if it's two months out, whatever it might be, look at your calendar, find that slow week, and you're going to write in for that week learn about X. Now, whatever this gap is, whatever this area of growth that you personally need or that you need to build into your ministry or you need to find a person to fill because this is an area in your leadership that that you need to grow in, I just want you to write about learn about X or make a plan for X. And that's going to be like your big priority, priority number one item for that week. The point is that now you're you're not just saying, I need to work on this at some point but you're actually scheduling in time to deal with this issue. And if it's on your calendar, then when different things come up, you will plan those around that thing that you've got set for that week. So you've, you've essentially made time to work on this specific issue by forecasting a week that you're not busy and writing that issue in there to just deal with it. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please just immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in ministry so that they can find out about it. Tell them, tell them what it was good about it and what you took away from it so that they can begin transforming their parish through their work. A quick call of action for you. Uh, we've gone through the entire Catholic Ministry Professionals framework. So, now we'll be dealing with more topical issues. We'll, we'll look at how we can use the framework to help us build a plan of action to help Catholic ministry professionals like you avoid burnout 
overcome team dysfunctions, and help people in the pews to fall in love with Jesus. And we would love to know what you, our dear listeners, would like to discuss. So please go to catholicministryprofessionals.com and click on send a message and, and just send us some topic ideas. Yeah, I think now is the time to start preparing for, at least for the, the ministry professionals, next year when, when school's in session and all that. Right now is the time to, to plan, right? Like that actual step. Learn about X. Make a plan for X. Because if you don't do it now, the, the chances are, if you wait till next year, it's not going to get done. Your plate does not get more empty. For whatever reason, it's going to fill up if you just leave it idle. So you have to be very, very conscious of what is on your plate. So if you don't fill it, somebody else is going to give it to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, let's all just make that mental shift that every moment we're going to spend this next year, we're going to make it intentional. Intentional time, intentional spaces, intentional conversations. You can plan that out. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.